Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight is teaching skills and training behavior. Question mark. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. Women diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood are more likely to have depression, be stressed, and have low self-esteem. It's recommended they talk to a professional to develop better life and stress management strategies. But here are some tips. Identify the sources of stress and make changes. Develop healthy self-care habits, such as getting adequate sleep, exercise, and good nutrition. To learn more about ADHD in women, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Okay, so everybody, um, this is going to be an interesting show today. Um, I've been an ADHD coach for 16 years. I was trained as a life coach at the Coaches Training Institute and as a life and ADD coach at the ADD Coach Academy back in uh, 2007. Over my years as the uh, host of Attention Talk Radio, I've had the great fortune of interviewing some of the foremost leaders um, on ADHD and really getting an education that I, I don't think you could really get um, from a book. And in my work and in my um, conversations and interviews and, and stuff, I've, I've, I've come to learn a lot. And I've got – like you know, sometimes things are a bit controversial and I make observations over a period of time that are interesting to me because when the obvious solution isn't working, chances are you're paying attention to the wrong thing. It's just that's a statement that has stuck with me for a really long time. And what's obvious depends on what you're paying attention to. And in the world of ADHD, because it's such an intangible condition, we are it's seductively easy, if you will, just to observe behavior and, and make judgments about it. And what I want to talk about today is there are a lot of executive functioning coaches out there. 
Um, and there's also behavioral training. And I want to talk about these a little bit to begin to understand what they're doing and maybe begin to understand why um, it often doesn't work. Um, the idea here sometimes is, is maybe we should pay attention to things a little bit differently. Now, the, the executive functioning coaches that I know um, teach skills um, to individuals to um, do things that require executive functions. So a, you know, a planning, prioritization, time management, these are things that we use our executive functions in order to arrive at those outcomes. The word executive function is, is a term that's used a lot. Uh, I think before 2010, it was, uh, I think there was like 32 or 34 different definitions, and it was kind of like anything goes that you wanted to call an executive function. Dr. Russell Barkley came onto the scene, at least in our world, and tried to bring some tangible definitions to it so we could determine what is and was not an executive function. And so doing, he defined his model. And I think it's important to understand his model is basically a collection of mind tools. Right? So understand tools. You might have a hammer, you might have a saw, you might have a screwdriver, et cetera. Those are tools that you would use to construct something, maybe a bench, a house, or, or, or something. Executive functions are a collection of mind tools, and you use those tools individually and collectively to work and construct a plan. When an executive functioning coach is teaching a skill to achieve an outcome or a plan, notice that they're focusing on the outcome, not the actual process of cognition. And so what they're really trying to do is to help those with ADHD construct a plan, but there's some type of methodology or thought of how to get to that plan. And the thing that I really want to bring to our attention is it's really outcome-based. They're focused on how you get to the plan. It's almost like they guess in at cognition, so they're hoping that either the cognition actually maps or the cognitive process actually be changes to get to that particular outcome. Behavioral training is, is also somewhat similar. It's basically trying to train somebody systematically in order to get um, their behavior to conform towards something. I want to kind of draw a parallel here. Teaching skills, um, there's an awareness side of it, but there's also a you, you do it this way or do this one of five ways. And behavioral training is a little bit of conforming. So both of these have an element of, of conforming your behavior or your thinking process. I want to be kind of clear is that beha behavior can be modified as a general rule, right? And the aim is to train people over and over and over to something a certain way, kind of much like an athlete. Um, a, an athlete might be trained um, in the skill of shooting three free throws. Um, often a behavior is, is they go up and they have some type of routine that they do at the foul line and they um, conform their arms in a certain way in order to make a foul shot. And they train that over and over and over um, as a routine when they walk up not to think in order to make that shot. Again, I want to reemphasize that that is behavioral training and, you know, you can change your behavior over a period of time. 
Now, let's talk about what an impairment is, okay? An impairment is a condition, condition that hinders or restricts a person's physical, mental, sensory, or cognitive functioning to an extent, okay? It's a limitation in, li- in ability. Now, I want to pause here a second because a lot of times when you hear the word disability or impairment, um, it brings about a lot of negative connotations. And having an impairment that had disability really doesn't have a 100% correlation with your potential. Um, <clears throat> when I got into this business, I have a dyslexia. Reading and writing is, is a bit of a challenge. I'd say it's a severe impairment for me. Although it, it, it has inhibited me to do certain things, and it has not impaired my potential. Um, Attention Talk Radio is a testament to that. Since writing and reading is difficult for me, I've launched Attention Talk Radio as a means to make a name for myself on the Internet and thereby um, unleashing my potential. So the thing about impairments is they, they're, they're a restriction. And as I've learned over the years is that ADHD is really an executive functioning impairment, meaning it's, you have a loss of ability in that particular area. Tell you what, what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a little bit of a break and we're going to go to commercial. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, impairments and behavior in the relationship because I want to relate this back to skills and uh, behavioral training to understand kind of where we're going. Um, our secret word tonight is skills. Again, our secret word is skills. And for um, these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a conversation about uh, teaching skills and behavior training for those with ADHD, question mark. Before the break, I really kind of wanted to highlight um, that executive function coaches uh, basically work with people with ADHD to teach them skills. Behavioral training is to train people to conform their behavior. Uh, from my perspective, they're very similar, uh, those two uh, domains. Before the break, we're talking about that behavior is actually changeable. Um, that's definitely when you're training animals or dogs or something like that, you're, it's a form of behavioral training. Then we start talking about what an impairment is. An impairment is a, a loss of an ability, and ADHD is an executive functioning impairment. The thing about an impairment is um, it really doesn't change. It typically needs to be accommodated. For example, uh, my eyesight is impaired. I don't read, I can't read with 20-20 vision. As a result, um, 
to compensate for it by using glasses. All right. So again, my eyesight is impaired and I am an accommodation by wearing glasses. Now, important understanding here is that an impairment actually has an impact on behavior. Okay, they're related. Um, or they, there's an influence on one or the other. If we're just focused on changing behavior, but part of the behavior is impacted by an impairment that can't be changed, we can begin to understand why some of those interventions don't work um, as well as we'd like to think that they do. After all, um, somebody could work with me and train me um, and, 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 and basically, actually, I remember when I had dyslexia, there was this funky L thing that they had where they would put it on a, 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 a book with words and it kind of hide, hide, hid some words but underlined it so I could just see certain words. And we would go through that with my tutors and stuff like that. And they would have me read words, which I would get wrong and wouldn't comprehend it. And after a while, they would get frustrated because for whatever reason, I wasn't able to read the way uh, they expected me to. I'd get frustrated because I was trying as hard as I could. The underlying issue is, is an impairment. Um, for me, often when I'm reading, if I – it's a symbol reversal. If I like with a B, I'll retrieve a D. So if a sentence has the word boy, I might read the word doy. And um, it gives me a sense that doesn't make any sense. You have to go back and reread it. I spent so much time trying to code and encode what I was reading. Um, I, just, I just didn't want to do it, so I, I would escape it. Um, another example of impairment here, just to kind of highlight this, is part of uh, executive function is working memory. Part of working memory is nonverbal working memory. It's basically self-taught. Um, in interviews with Dr. Bars Barkley, I've had a lot of conversation with regard to that. And um, get inside your head towards a goal. Because it's impaired, many people with ADHD, they talk to themselves out loud, typically with somebody in front of them, not realizing that's what they're doing. And often, um, they are trained to not talk, to inhibit that. Well, when you think about it, they're talking out loud. Nobody taught them how to do it. They're doing it instinctively because it's a compensated for their impaired working memory. Why did they do it? Because they're rewarded with higher levels of performance. So my point here is imagine trying to train uh, me um, to be tall when I'm actually short, right? Using skills or behavioral modification to try to get me to see when I'm actually colorblind, right? To notice sound when I'm hearing impaired. Again, what I'm talking about are characteristics or impairments, and the notion is that they can't be trained. There's an underlying reason that's creating that problem that we need to address that underlying impairment. And so a little bit of this is a call for us to kind of change what we're looking at and realizing is that if we focus in on outcome and we're trying to change behavior to conform to that outcome and it's not consistently working, we might be paying attention to the wrong thing. And what we should be paying more attention to is thinking as a process. If we can understand thinking as a process, um, we can begin to kind of identify issues 
has an impairment and then actually be able to uh, make adjustments for that. <clears throat> I'll give you a simple example before we kind of go towards a break. I was coaching a high school kid um, some years ago, and I remember uh, he was in a boarding school, and he had gone to a teacher with a paper and gotten some feedback on the five-page paper. Came back to his room, and he was really struggling. And I just, in my gut, is he, I just felt like in knowing this person, and, and, and my intuition was he needed, like, feedback, not on the entire paper, but paragraph at a time where he might get a feedback, go rewrite it come back, get feedback, and then get feedback on the second paragraph all the way through. Um, my intuition really felt strongly, and that's what I was coaching the kid with. Turns out a couple months later, in 2017, I think it was, um, International Conference on ADHD was in New Orleans, and I actually had a private meeting with Dr. Bar Russell Barkley, who I'm a big fan of. And I mentioned this, um, thinking that he would actually um, – disapprove of maybe what I was uh, thought was made some sense for this particular high school student and to my surprise he was that's absolutely what should have take place because his impaired working memory and capacity issues he wouldn't be able to to hold all the information in paper and the general uh, feedback that he got over the entire paper and really make sense in other words it was too much of a strain given his working memory capacity and uh, as an accommodation, he would really need to have paragraph-by-paragraph paragraph feedback. Now, this is a real invisible thing that um, we don't necessarily see in the, in, the, in the world because we're not looking for it. But since that time, I ran into a lot of people with ADHD where they do. They, they, they got to have the feedback um, in bite-sized chunks as they're going through it. And our school system or often uh, – through behavioral training or skills training, um, they're trying to teach the individual could go do this in isolation by themselves, and we can begin to see, due to that underlying impairment, why that's very much of a challenge. I'm going to go to break and come back and start talking about some other tangible things um, that begin to show up that we could make adjustments for as an impairment in order to help people with ADHD achieve their goal. Um, our secret word tonight is skills. Again, our secret word tonight is skills. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. 
For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a conversation today about uh, teaching skills and training behavior. And I'm kind of questioning that in our industry as the sole approach to helping those with ADHD. And I'm actually kind of implying that while it is very, very helpful, um, often it's flawed because at some level, often there is actually an executive functioning impairment. And the accommodation is not made for that individual impairment. In fact, more and more I'm finding in the in our world today that technology um, that some are being pushed to use is the very thing that's actually getting in the way. Now, I will acknowledge it's helpful, um, but the glamorization of technology as an end-all is actually challenging. Um, I do recall an interview with Dr. Russell Barkley in 2018. You can Google it, Attention Talk Radio GPS. We start talking about working memory from um, his construct. I talked about how I work with people with it, and at the end of the show, we came to the conclusion that often paper is high-tech for people with ADHD. Um, This show is being uh, done, and I'm working on uh, my presentation for the 2023 annual international conference on ADHD, and I actually have my PowerPoint 70 slides. And twice so far, I've had to print out all 70 slides, go in and put on floor kind of in a storyboard fashion in order for me to get my head around the logical um, uh, logic of how I'm putting the information together. In other words, I'm putting it all out as a means to help me organize the delivery of that information. More and more, particularly with students, they don't have access to printers. In other words, they don't have an accommodation for this working memory to be able to sprawl it all out. Often they're working on a very tiny screen where they can't conceptualize it all. I can tell you when I had my PowerPoint up, there's a little grid where you can see multiple slides at a time. If if I try to show all the slides, I wouldn't be able to see any of them because I had so many. If I made them larger, I couldn't conceptualize it. Again, teaching me a, a skill or to comply to a behavior or to deal with that on my screen and PowerPoint would have limited, again, because the underlying parent is, is my really working memory and the need to be able to see it all. Um, other times now I'm starting to see people um, force people to take tests online. The way I used to take tests is I would go through, I'd do a lot of underlying, highlighting, maybe some notes and then skip around problems. I found it was helpful. Sometimes I would do another problem and have an aha to go back to the other problem. On our computers today on tests, you don't have that ability to mark or to write in the area where the question is. You might be able uh, to make notes, but if your working memory is impaired, that's a bit of a challenge. Um, And there's not an accommodation for that or not an easy accommodation. In fact, sometimes people are having to fight to get paper tests um, and they actually don't exist. Um, other types of things is highlighting. Um, for me, I know that I highlight stuff. I'll go through and highlight all the salient points, and then I'll go back through and read the highlights to get the gist of it so that I can whittle down the amount of reading to what's really, really pertinent and important. Now, that's a skill of highlighting. 
but more and more um, that the technology is being changed on me that is not accommodating my impairment and making it worse. Other areas are toggling on a computer screen. Um, it's hard for me to describe this here. When you read something on one screen and you hold that in your mind and try to go find something else to compare it to on another screen, you have a lot of cognitive instructions between what you did read and what you're finding, often because of uh, capacity issues. By the time you find what you're looking for, you've actually forgotten what you originally had. Again, impairment. This is why often you might want to print it people that might be shopping uh, for flights on different airlines, uh, on different screens, it can be really overwhelming trying to hold that all in mind. <clears throat> the idea is if you were able to be able to print this stuff out, you could assimilate that information. Again, these are accommodations to the impairment, not teaching behavior or a particular skill to conform to it. So, what today's really been about is to say is that I think a lot of times our current interventions are not um, working because they're not taking into consideration um, executive function and the underlying impairment. So what do we do about that? I personally think that we need to start to take a look at cognition as a process, not as an outcome. Um, I've done a lot of shows on working memory. You have what's called the loading of information in your mind. That would be task initiation. Um, when you have something that requires a lot of cognitive effort, it requires a lot of cognitive stuff just to kind of get your thoughts in your head in order to begin work with it. This is where once I get into the flow, I'm good. I'm having a hard time getting into the flow. There's certain things that one can do that can actually speed that up, like having a conversation in a group about what you're trying to accomplish, um, <clears throat> realizing the importance of maybe notes where you left off, et cetera. Um, the idea of retrieval of knowledge, um, that's a bit of a challenge. People with ADHD need to cue themselves to remember things. All too often, <clears throat> they're overwhelmed on their computer with too many things that are cueing them or too many notifications that they just shut those all off. Nobody really talks about the management of those notifications so that they're not all hitting at the same time when something happens. Then there's the manipulation or playing with information in your mind, how we we know that externalization of that stuff makes some sense, but how you externalize it depends on the individual. The bottom line is if we begin to understand the thinking process as a process, and we begin to understand the executive functions and the tools that are associated with it, we can begin to start to isolate and more specifically problem solve by providing some type of accommodation for the underlying impairment, thereby making it much easier for behavioral training to take place. This is really a shift in how we're looking at, at ADHD. Certainly the cognitive process, uh, we all think differently, but really when you think about it, the process of thinking is, is the same. Um, there's methodical thinking, there's trial and error thinking, there's insightful thinking. If you understand that as a process, it can give you some insight. So the point of today was to try to identify why some of the current interventions are not working. That is on the end and getting people to conform their behavior to obtain that end, which is noble and works. But when there's an underlying impairment, it has an impact on behavior, but it can't be trained away. It has to be accommodated along those lines. So I hope this has given you pause to think and, and ponder. I'm ADHD coach Jeff Copper. You can find more about me on my website at digcoaching.com. 
So with that, we'll wrap it up. As a reminder, our secret word tonight is skills. Our secret word tonight is skills, and we hope you have enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. 